Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast. Now we are going to start our next chapter which is Glitteroy Lockhart of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets which is book 2 of Harry Potter. So let's start. The next day ho- however Harry barely grinned once things started to go downhill from breakfast in the great hall the four long house tables were laden with turrets of porridge plates of keepers mountains of toast and dishes of eggs and bacon beneath the enchanted ceiling today a dull cloudy gray day gray harry and ron sat down at the gryffindor table next to hermione who had her copy of voyages and vampires propped again open again a milk jug there was a slight stiffness in the way she said morning which told harry that she was still disapproving of the way they had arrived neville longbottom on the other hand greeted them cheerfully neville was a round-faced and excellent brown boy with the worst memory of anyone harry had ever met posts due any moment i think grant's sending on a few things i forgot harry had only just started his porridge when sure enough there was a rushing sound overhead and a hundred or so owls streamed in circling the hole and dropping letters and packages into the chattering crowd a big lumpy parcel bounced off neville's head and a second later something large and gray fell into hermione's jug spraying them all with milk and feathers a rolled said ron pulling the bad wrangled owl out of the feeds errol slumped unconscious on the onto the table his legs in the air and a damn red envelope in his beak oh no ron gasped it's all right he's still alive said hermione prodding errol gently with the tip of her finger it's not that it's that Ron was pointing at the red envelope. It looked quite ordinary to Harry, but Ron and Neville were both looking at it as though they expected it to explode. "What's the matter?" said Harry. "She's she sent me a howler," said Ron faintly. "You'd better open it," Ron said Neville in a timid whisper. "It'll be worse if you don't. My grand sent me once, and I ignored it, and he gulped. It was horrible." Harry looked from their petrified faces to the red envelope. "What's a howler?" he said. But Ron's whole attention was fixed on the letter, which had begun to smoke at the corners. "Open it," Neville urged. "It's all be over in a few moments." Ron stretched out a shaking hand, eased by the envelope from Errol's beak, and slid it open. Neville stuffed his fingers and. in his ears a split second later harry knew why he thought for a moment it had exploded a roar of sound filling the huge walls shaking dust from the ceiling stealing the car i wouldn't have been surprised if they'd expelled you you wait till i get hold of you i don't suppose you stop to think what your father and i went through when we saw it it had gone Mrs. Weasley's yells, a hundred times louder than usual, made the plates and spoons rattle on the table and echoed deafeningly 
on the stone walls. People throughout the hall were shivering around to see who had received the howler, and Ron sank so low in his chair that only his crimson forehead could be seen. Letter from Dumbledore last night. I thought your father would die of shame. We didn't bring you up for behaving like this. You and Harry could both have died. Harry had been wondering when his name was going to crop up. He tried very hard to look as though he couldn't hear the voice that was making the eardrums throb. Absolutely disgusted. Your father is facing an inquiry at work. It's entirely your fault. And if you put another toe out of line, we'll be bringing you straight back home. A ringing silence filled the red envelope, which had robbed from Ron's hand, burst into flames and curled into ashes. Harry and Ron sat stunned as though a tidal had just passed over them. A few people laughed and gradually a babble of talk broke out again. Hermione closed voyages and vampires and looked down at the top of Ron's head. Well, I don't know what you expected, Ron, but you don't tell me I deserved it. It snapped, snapped Ron. Harry pushed his porridge away. His insides were burning with guilt. Mr. Weasley was facing an inquiry at work after all Mr. and Mrs. Weasley had done for him over the summer. But he had no time to dwell on this. Professor McGonagall was moving along the Gryffindor table, handing out timetables. Harry took his and saw that they had double herbology with the Hufflepuffs first. Harry, Ron and Hermione left the castle together, crossed the vegetable patch and made for the greenhouses where the magical plants were kept. At least the howler had done one good thing. Hermione seemed to think they had now been punished enough and was being perfectly friendly again. As they neared the greenhouses, they saw the rest of the class standing outside waiting for Professor Snout. Sprout. Harry, Ron and Hermione had only just joined them when she came striding into view across the lawn accompanied by Glitteroy Lockhart. Professor Sprout's arms were full of bandages and with another twinge of guilt, Harry spotted the whomping willow in the distance, several of its branches now in slings. Professor Sprout was a squat little witch who though a patched hat over her fly-away hair. There was usually a large amount of earth on her clothes on, and her fingernails would have made Aunt Petuna faint. Glitteroy Lockhart, however, was immaculate in sweeping robes of turquoise, his golden hair shining under a perfectly portionated turquoise hat uh, with golden trimming. Oh, hello there, Lockhart called, beaming around at the assembled students, just been showing Professor Sprout the right way to Dr. Womping Willow, but I don't want you running away with the idea that I'm better at her biology than she is. I just happen to have met several of those exotic plants on my travels. Greenhouse free today, chaps, said Professor Sprout, who was looking distinctly disgruntled. Now at all, her usual cheerful self. There was a murmur of interest. They had only ever 
worked in greenhouse one before greenhouse three housed far more interesting and dangerous plants professor sprout took a large key from her belt and unlocked the door harry could caught a whiff of damp earth and when fertilizer mingling with the heavy food perfume of some giant umbrella sized flowers dangling from the ceiling he was about to follow ron and hermione inside when lockhart's hand shot shot out harry i've been wanting a word you don't mind if he's a couple of minutes late do you professor sprout judging by professor sprout's scowl she ma- did mind but lockhart said that's a ticket and closed the greenhouse door in her face harry said lockhart his large white teeth gleaming in the sunlight as he shook his head harry 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 completely nonplussed harry said nothing when i heard well of course it was all my fault could have kicked myself harry had no idea what he was talking about he was about to say so when lockhart went on don't know when i've been more shocked flying a car to hogwarts well of course i knew at once why you'd done it stood out a mile harry 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 it was remarkable how he could show everyone of those brilliant teeth even when he wasn't talking gave you a taste for publicity didn't i said lockhart gave you a hug gave you the hug you got on to the front page of the paper with me and you couldn't wait to do it again oh no professor c harry 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 said professor lockhart reaching out and grasping his shoulder i understand natural to want a bit more once you've had that first taste and i blame myself for giving you that because it was bound to go to your head but they see here young man you can't stop flying cars to try and get yourself noticed just come down all right plenty of time for all that when you're older yes yes i know what you're thinking it's all right for him he's an internationally famous wizard already but when i was 12 i was just as much of a nobody as you are now in fact i'd say i was even more than a nobody i mean a few people have heard of you haven't they all that business with the he who must not be named he glanced at the lightning scar on harry's forehead i know i know it's not quite as good as winning which weekly's most charming smile award five times in a row as i have but it's a start harry it's a start he gave harry a hearty wink and strode off harry stood stunned for a few seconds then remembering he was supposed to be in the greenhouse he opened the door and slid inside professor sprout was standing behind a trestle bench in the center of the greenhouse about 20 pairs of different colored earmuffs were lying on the bench when harry had taken his place between ron and hermione she said we'll be reporting reporting mandrakes today now who can tell me properties of the mandrake to nobody's surprise hermione's hand was first into the air mandrake or mandragora is a powerful restorer rative said hermione sounding as usual as though she had swallowed the textbook 
It is used to return people who have been transfigured or cursed to their original state. Excellent. Ten points to Gryffindor, said Professor Snout. Sprout. The membrane forms an essential part of most antidotes. It is also, however, dangerous. Who can tell me why? Hermione's had narrowly missed Harry's glasses as it shot up again. The cry of the mandrake is fatal to anyone who hears it, she said promptly, preciously. Take another ten points, said Professor Sprout. Now the mandrakes we have here are still very young. She pointed to a row of deep trays as she spoke, and everyone shuffled forward for a better look. A hundred or so tufty little plants, purplish green in colour, were growing there in rows there looked quite unremarkable to Harry, who didn't have the slightest idea what Hermione meant by the cry of the mandrake. Everyone take a pair of earmuffs, said Professor Sprout. There was a scramble as everyone tried to seize a pair that wasn't pink and fluffy. When I tell you to put them on, make sure your ears are completely covered, said Professor Sprout. When it is safe to remove them, I will give you the thumbs up right earmuffs on. Harry snapped the earmuffs over his ears. They shut out sound completely. Professor Sprout put a pink fluffy pair over her own ears, rolled up the sleeves of her robes, grasped one of the tufty plants firmly and pulled hard. Harry let out a gasp of surprise that no one could hear. Instead of roots, a small, muddy, and extremely ugly baby popped out of the earth. Their leaves were growing right out of his head. He had pale green mottled skin and was clearly bowling at the top of his lungs. Professor Sprout took a large plant pot from under the table and plunged the mandrake into it, burying him in dark damp composed until only the tufted leaves were visible. Professor Sprout dusted off her hands, gave them all the thumbs up and removed her own earmuffs. As your mandrakes are only seedlings, their cries won't kill yet, she said calmly, as though she'd just done nothing more exciting than water, a begonia. However, they will knock you out for several hours, and I'm, as I'm sure none of you want to miss your first day back, make sure your earmuffs are securely in place while you work. I will attract your attention when it is time to pack up. For to a tray, there is a large supply of pots here, composed in the sacks over there, and be careful of the venomous tentacula it's teething. She gave a sharp slap to a spiky dark red plant as she spoke, making it drew in the long feelers that had been inching sneakily over her shoulder. Harry, Ron and Hermione were joined at their tray by a curly-haired Hufflepuff boy. Harry knew by sight he had never spoken to just Finch Fletchy. Fletchly, he said brightly, shaking Harry by the hand. Know who you are, of course, the famous Harry Potter and your Hermione Granger always stop and everything. Hermione beamed as she had her hand shaken. Two, and Ron Weasley wasn't that your flying car. Ron didn't smile. The whole of his obviously still on his mind. The 
Look hard something, isn't he? said Justin happily as they began filling their plant pots with rag and dunk composed awfully brave chap. Have you read his books? I'd have died of fear if I'd been concerned in a telephone box by a werewolf, but he stayed cool and jabs zap just fantastic. My name was down for Ethan. You know, I can't tell you how glad I am. I came here instead, of course. Mother was slightly disappointed, but since I made her Lockhart's books, I think she's begun to see how useful it'll be to have a fully trained wizard in the family. After that, they didn't have much chance to talk. Their earmuffs were back on and they needed to concentrate on the mandrakes. Professor Sprout had made it look extremely easy, but it wasn't. The mandrakes didn't like coming out of the earth, but didn't seem to want to go back into it either. They squirmed, kicked, flailed their sharp little fists and gnashed their teeth. Harry spent ten whole minutes trying to squash a particularly fat one into a pot. By the end of the class, Harry, like everyone else, was sweaty, aching and covered in earth. They stepped, crashed back to the castle for a quick wash and then the Gryffindors hurried off to transfiguration. Professor McGonagall's classes were always hard to work hard work but today was especially difficult everything harry had learned last year seemed to have leaked out of his head during the summer he was supposed to be turning a beetle into a button but all he managed to do was give his beetle a lot of exercise as it scuttled over the desktop avoiding his wand ron was having far worse problems he had patched up his wand with some borrowed spellow tape but it seemed to be damaged beyond repair. It kept crackling and sparkling at odd moments, and every time Ron tried to transfigure his beetle, it engulfed him in thick grey smoke, which smelled as rot of rotten eggs. Unable to see what he was doing, Ron accidentally squashed his beetle with his elbow and had to ask for a new one. Professor McGonagall wasn't pleased. Harry was relieved to hear the lunch bell his brain felt like a wrong sponge everyone filled out of the classroom except him and ron who was wick walking his wand furiously on the desk stupid useless thing right home for another one harry suggested as the wand let off a volley of bangs like a firecracker oh yeah and get another howler back said ron stopping the now hissing Wand into his bag. It's your own fault. Your wand and got snapped. They went down to lunch, where Ron's mood was not improved by Hermione showing them the handful of perfect coat buttons she had produced in Transfiguration. What have we got this afternoon? Said Harry hastily, changing the subject. Defense against the dark arts. Said Hermione at once. Why? Demanded Ron, seizing her terrible timetable have you outlined all Lockhart's lesson in li- little hearts hermione snatched the timetable back flushing furiously they finished lunch and went outside into the overcast courtyard hermione 
sat on down on a stone step and buried her nose in voyages and vampires again. Harry and Ron stood talking about Quidditch for several minutes before Harry became aware that he was being closely watched. Looking up, he saw the very small, mousy-haired boy he'd seen crying on the sorting hat last night. Staring at Harry as though transfixed, he was clutching what looked like an ordinary muggle camera, and that moment Harry looked at him, he went bright red. All right, Harry, I'm I'm cold and creepy, I he said breathlessly, taking a tentative tentative step forward. I'm in Gryffindor too. Do you think would be would it be all right if can I have a picture? He said, raising the camera hopefully. A picture? Harry repeated blankly. So I can prove I met you, said Colin Creevy eagerly, edging further forwards. I know all about you. Everyone's told me about how you survived when you know who tried to kill you and how he disappeared and everything and how you've still got a lightning scar on your forehead. His eyes raked Harry's hairline. And a boy in my dormitory said, if I develop the film in the right portion, the pictures will move. Colin drew a great shuddering breath of excitement and said, it's brilliant here, isn't it? I never knew all the odd stuff I could do was magic till I got the letter from Hogwarts. My dad's a milkman. He couldn't believe it either. So I'm taking loads of pictures to send home to him and it be all real it'd be really good if I had one of with you. He looked impro- imploringly at Harry. Maybe your friend could take it and I could stand next to you and then could you sign it? Sign photos. You're going uh sign photos, Potter. Loud and scathing, Draco Malfoy's voice echoed around the courtyard. He had stopped right behind Colin, flanked as he always was at Hogwarts by a large and thuggish cronies, Crab and Goyle. Everyone queue up, Malfoy rode to the crowd. Harry Potter's giving out signed photos. No, I'm not, said Harry angrily, his fists clenching. Shut up, Malfoy. You're just jealous, piped up Colin, whose entire body was about as thick as Crab's neck. Jealous, said Malfoy, who didn't need to shout out any more. Half the courtyard was listening in. Of what? I don't want a full scar right across my head. Thanks. I don't think getting your head cut open makes you that special myself. Crab and Goyle were sniggering stupidly. It slugs, Malfoy, said Ron angrily. Crab stopped laughing and started rubbing his conker. Like, like knuckles in a manaving, manaking way. Be careful, Weasley, sneered Malfoy. You don't want to start any trouble or your mummy'll have to come to take you away from school. He put on a shrill, piercing voice. If you put another toe out of line, a knot of Slytherin fifth ears nearby laughed loudly at this. Weasley would be, would like a signed photo, Potter, smuggled Malfoy. I'd be worth more than his family's whole house. Ron whipped out his sallow, pillow-taped wand, but Hermione shut voyagers and vampires with a snap and whispered, Look out! What's all this? What's all this? Leroy Lockhart was tittering towards them, his turquoise robes squirreling behind him. Who's giving out signed photos? 
Harry started to speak, but he was cut short as Lockhart flung an arm around his shoulders and thundered jovially. Shouldn't have asked. We meet again. Harry pinned to Lockhart's side and burning with humiliation. Harry saw Malfoy slide smirking back into the crowd. Come on then, Mr. Creevy, said Lockhart, beaming at Collar. A double portrait can't stay fairer than that, and we'll be both sign it for you. Colin fumbled for his camera and took the picture as the bell rang behind them, signaling the start of the afternoon classes. Off you go, move along there. Lockhart called to crowd, and he set off back to the castle with Harry, who was wishing he knew a good vanishing spell, still clasped to her his side a word to the wise harry said lockhart patently as they entered the building through the side door i covered up for you back there with young creevy if he was photographing me too your schoolfellows won't think you're setting yourself up so much deaf to harry's stammers lockhart swept him down a corridor lined with Staring students up a staircase. Let me just say that handing out signed pictures at this stage of your careers isn't, isn't sensible. Look a tad big-headed, Harry, to be frank. There may will come a time when, like me, you'll need to keep a stack handy wherever you go. But he gave a little toddle. I don't think you're quite there yet. They had a reach. Lockhart's classroom and he met Harry's go at last. Harry yanked his robe straight and headed for a seat at the very back of the class where he busied himself with pulling all seven of Lockhart's books in front of them so that he could avoid looking at the real thing. The rest of the class came clattering in and Ron and Hermione sat down on either side of Harry. You could have fried an egg on your face, said Ron. You'd better hope Creevy doesn't meet Ginny. They'll be sta- starting a pot- Harry Potter fan club. Shut up, snapped Harry. The last thing he needed was for Lockhart to hear the phrase Harry Potter fan club. When the whole class was seated, Lockhart cleared his throat loudly and silence fell. He reached forward picked up Neville Longbottom's copy of Gravel with Trolls and held it up to show his own winking portrait on the front. Me, he said, pointing at it and winking as well. Glitteroy Lockhart Order of Merlin, third class, honorary member of the Dark Force Defense League and five times winner of which weekly's most charming smile award, but I don't talk about that i didn't get rid of the band in banshee by smiling at her he waited for them to laugh a few people smiled weakly i see you've all bought a complete set of my books well done i thought we'd start today with a little quiz nothing to worry about just to check how well you've read them how much you've taken in when he had ta- handed out the test papers. He returned to the front of the class and said, You have 30 minutes. Start now. Harry looked down at his paper and read, What is Glidroy Lockhart's favorite color? What is Gridloy Lockhart's fa- secret ambition? 
what in your opinion is gilder royal lockhart's greatest achievement to date on and on it went with three slides of paper write down to 54th when is gilder royal lockhart's birthday and what would be his ideal gift Half an hour later, Lockhart collected in the papers and riffled through them in front of the class. Tut, tut, hardly any of you remember that my favorite color is lilac. I say so in ear with a yeti, and a few of you need to read Wanderings with the with Vervilles more carefully. I clearly state in chapter 12 that my ideal birthday gift would be harmony between all magic and non-magic peoples. Though I wouldn't say no to a large bottle of Ogden's old five whiskey, he gave them another ruggish wink. Ronan, now staring at Lockhart with an expression of disbelief on his face, see Miss Finnegan and, the- and Dean Thomas, who were sitting in front, was shaking with silent laughter. Hermione, on the other hand, was listening to Lockhart with rapt attention and gave a start when he mentioned her name. But Miss Hermione Granger knew my secret ambition is to get rid of the world of evil and market my own range of hair care potions. Good girl. In fact, he flipped her paper over. Full marks. Where is Miss Hermione Granger, Hermione raised a trembling hand. Excellent, beamed Lockhart. Quite excellent. Take ten points from Gryffindor for Gryffindor. And so, to business, he bent down behind his desk and lifted a large covered cage onto it. Now, be warned, it is my job to arm you against the foolish creatures known to wizard kind. You may kind find yourselves facing your worst fears in this room know only that no harm can befall you whilst i'm here all i ask is you remain calm in spite of himself harry leaned around his pile of books for a better look at the cage lockhart placed a hand on the cover dean and seamus had stopped laughing now neville was cowering in front in his front row seat i must ask you not to scream said lockhart in a low voice it might provoke them as the whole class held its breath lockhart whipped off the cover yes he said dramatically freshly caught cornish pixies Seamus Finnegan could not control himself. He let out a snort of laughter, when, which even Lockhart couldn't mistake for a scream of terror. Yes, he smiled at Seamus. Well, they're not, they're not very dangerous, are they? Seamus choked. Don't be sure. So sure, said Lockhart, woggling a finger annoyingly at Seamus. Devilish tricky little blighters they can't be the pixies were electric blue and about eight inches high with pointed faces and voices so shrill it was like listening to a lot of budgies arguing the moment the cover had been removed they had started jabbering and rocketing around rattling the bars and pulling bizarre faces at the people's nearest them Right then, Lockhart said loudly, Let's see what you make of them. And he opened the cage. It was pandemonium. 
The pixies shot in every direction like rockets. Two of them seized Malfoy Neville by the ears and lifted him into the air, several shots straight through the window, showering the back row with broken glass. The rest proceeded to, to wreck the classroom more efficient, effi- effectively than a rampaging reno. They grabbed, grabbed in bottles and sprayed the class with them, shredded books and papers, tore pictures from the walls, appended the waste bin, grabbed bags and books, and threw them out of the smashed window within minutes. Half the class was sheltering under the desks, and Neville was swinging from the candelabra in the ceiling. Come on now, round them up, round them up, they're only pixies, Lockhart shouted. He rolled up his sleeves, bandaged his wand, and bellowed, Pixie, picky pixie, pternomy. He had absolutely no effects. One of the pixies seized Lockhart's wand and threw it out of the window, too. Lockhart gulped and dived under his own desk, narrowly avoiding being squashed by Neville, who fell a second later as the candelabra gave away. The bell rang and there was a mad rush towards the exit. In the relative calm that followed, Lockhart straightened up, caught sight of Harry, Ron and Hermione, who were almost at the door, and said, Well, I'll ask you three to just nip the rest of them back into the cage. He swept back them past them and shut the door quickly behind them. Can you believe him? rode Ron as one of the remaining pixies bit him painfully on the air. He just wants to give us some hands of ex- on experience, said Hermione, immobilizing two pixies at once with a clever freezing charm and stuffing them back into their cage. Hands on, said Harry, who was trying to grab a pixie dancing out of reach with tongue is stung out hermione he didn't have a clue what he was doing rubbish said hermione you've read his books look at all those amazing things he's done he says he's done ron muttered okay everybody so now we are done with our this chapter and we are next gonna start our next chapter which is chapter seven mudbloods and murmurs till then thank you for listening